Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. But we talked about it when Nick got up here uh, at the very beginning of the service. Uh, the choir sang about it. We sang about it. Let me get it all straight. Uh, Jeff told about it when he talked about uh, the pens on the board out there for each person that we share the good news with. We sang about it again. Lisa sang about it. And Jeff read about it. What's it about? Do you understand what giving is about? God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. It is about God's love for us. That's what giving is about. That is the very nature, and that is what Paul, I believe, shares with us in Acts 20, 32 through 35. A message to help us understand how much, first and foremost, God loves each one of us. He loves us so much that he gave that precious gift to us of his son. And how do we demonstrate that? What do we do? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Uh, and I promise you, uh, this will be a little different. Uh, it's interesting when you think about the, what the heart of giving is all about. Uh, think about what Paul said. If you have your Bibles open again to Acts chapter 20. I'm going to remember some stuff. We'll see how many of you were here last week and how many of you remember what I preached about last week. But there's some things that went on with Paul as he, in this situation, is beginning to share with those he loves so much that he seeks to communicate with them. The first thing, if you were here, you remember what happened. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and there is nothing that is going to stop him from doing what God has called him to do. He is going to Jerusalem, and he wants to be there before Pentecost happens. And so on his trip, You'll see that about in verse 16. Somewhere about verse 17, what we see is he, he can't tra travel to Ephesus because he doesn't have the time to make that trip. It'd be too long for him to get over and get back. And so what he does is he sends to the church there and asks for the elders to come to him rather than him going to them because he figures this will be a quicker way to do things. Look down in Acts 20, 21. He reminds the church how much he loves them in Ephesus. And he does it in a different way. Uh, he reminds them of how and what he shared with them. This is what he says in Acts 20, 21, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was not on a trip there just to see the city of Ephesus. He wanted to share with those believers, those non-believers there more specifically, the message of God's love for them. How long did he do it? Some of you already know. He was there in the city of Ephesus for three years. You get to know somebody pretty well through three years. And Paul knew these people, and he loved them, and he cared about them. And he wants them to come to him now as he's making pre preparations for this next step in his life. Uh, he doesn't stop there. 
He wonders, I think, Paul tries to tell us, how do we say goodbye to people that we love? That's a hard thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a difficult thing to do because of the way that we love people. And he begins in Acts 20, 32. Uh, Jeff, thank you for reading that just a minute ago. I want you to look at it one more time. Now I commit you to God. This is what the NIV says. Commend is what I believe Jeff shared with you just a minute ago. And to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's a passage that it would be easy for us to overlook. To see that and just see it as so many words, but there's a message that Paul has for us there. And it's about what it means to be committed. What it means in our lives to recognize that we commit something to someone else. That we take what we have and we say, I'm going to entrust you with this. Every Sunday morning, sometimes I've done it with John, normally I do it with Karen. If Karen's not here, John is the one I commit my telephone to, I commit my billfold to, and everything else that I have that is in my pockets that's going to fall out when I don't want it to fall out. And I give those things to either Karen or John. Now I would tell you, nothing's ever come up missing when I give it to John, but with Karen a couple of times I've missed a couple of 20s, all right? <laughs> but, but what happens is we, we commit things to people that we know, we trust, and here's the big thing. We love. There's no doubt that we know that Paul loved the church in Ephesus. And the understanding of that love was lived out in his life and expressed through their lives. Because think about what happened to the elders of Ephesus. Paul gets this letter to them real quickly. What do they do? They don't say, well, you know what? It's 103 degrees out there. We don't want to have to walk all the way down to Miletus. We're just going to go later on maybe when it's a little cooler. No. They did what Paul asked them to. Why did they do that? Because they loved Paul. We begin to see the message that Paul is sharing with them when he talks about what it means for us to commit. That word to commit, I believe, means nothing but, nothing but the word trust. That we trust somebody with everything. I want you to think about another situation in which you remember that word commit being used. Maybe that's the specific word that you remember. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 22, verse 44, and you'll know probably many of you already what this is. It was now about the sixth hour, and the darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. It's about trusting. It's about recognizing what it means to know that God, God is able to take care of everything. And that's exactly what Jesus did in that situation. He let the Father know that he was giving it all to him. In our lives, we need to recognize that same opportunity that he gives us every day of our lives. That we commit everything to him. My heart, my life. I think about the songs that got put up accidentally, Robert was kind of alluding to this morning. I think about each one of those. No, it's about what recognizing what God has done for us and of our giving those things back to him in recognition of God's goodness and grace for us. That's what he even says. I commit these things in the Lord's name, but also to his grace. 
because we don't deserve them. These are not things that God has given us. The very lives that are ours are not things that we deserve. All the gifts that God gives us are not things that we deserve. Why does he share them with us? He, thank you very much, Kim. You got it. He loves us. He loves us so much. It's unbelievable how he loves us. Remember what Jesus did in the garden? This is in Luke 17. No, excuse me, John 17. You don't, you don't have this, guys. Uh, this is John 17. Remember what happened with Jesus uh, as he's praying? He has a prayer that he shares. You know what? Hang on just a second. Let's take a look at that. It's John 17, verse 6 and following. Hang on just a second. Here it comes. I have revealed you to those to whom you gave me. Out of the world, out of the world, they were yours, you gave them to me, to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me, and I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but I am praying for those that you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they will still remain in the world. That's us, folks. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None other has lost except for the doomed to destruction, that one, so the scripture might be fulfilled. God tells us about what it means to have that unity that is ours in him just as Jesus and the Father had. So you and I have that same opportunity that we recognize and we realize what real love is all about. That someone loves us so much that they give us everything that they have. As you know, Karen and I have been married for a little over 50 years now. All right, isn't that right? It is over 50 years, right? And there's nothing that I have that doesn't belong to Karen, and there's nothing that Karen has that doesn't belong to me. It's hard for us sometimes in our personal relationships to recognize that that's the same, exact same relationship we have with Jesus Christ. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus, we sing it, don't we? We know the songs. Jesus belongs to me. And it's, it's not just for this world, it's for all eternity that we sing that song. And that is the relationship, and that's what it means for us to give because Christ has given us his everything. And nothing that we have is anything that we can claim as our own. The trust that we have comes to us through a God who is able to fulfill every promise that he offers us. And he reminds us of that constantly, that we would understand and we would experience that kind of love knowing that he loves us so much that he gave his one and only son for us. That's the nature of what the relationship is about. That's the nature of what it means for us to trust the way that Jesus trusted the Father with everything. That's what he's saying there in John 17, a message of what it means to trust the Father with so much. But there's another thing that Paul says in that passage, and he says, he says this later on. He says, basically, trust me. 
That's why Paul gives his testimony. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, sometimes Paul, I think, and Rodney even asked the question. I probably answered it wrong, Rodney. But I, sometimes I think Paul got the big head. Uh, I think sometimes Paul thought pretty well of himself and what he had done and the things he had done. But he's also the same guy that recognizes what it means for us to, to bow the knee before the Father and recognize that everything that we have and everything we do comes from him. And that is the relationship that Paul says. He says to the people, how many of us here this morning in our doing what God has called us to, uh, to, to do are living our lives in such a way that we can say the same thing that Paul says to us? Debbie, go ahead and do the same thing. Just do like I do. Just act like I do. Live like I do. Behave like I do. Share like I do. Do those things. Paul does all those things. And he does it because he recognizes that intimate relationship he has through God's Holy Spirit working through his life. And Paul is the first to say, it's not me, nothing I do, it's not about what I do, it is all about him. And that is the very nature that he calls those folks in Ephesus to trust. Trust that what I've said is real. Trust that what I've done is real. Trust that my love for you is sincere. It's genuine. It's the real thing. The question that we have in our lives or should have in our lives this morning is, do we have that kind of relationship? Do we have that kind of relationship with the living God that when people see us, they do not see our lives, they see Jesus Christ living through us? Paul can tell us that that's the case. Paul talks about the fact that you can also trust what you remember. He says that to the church in Ephesus. Look at verse 33 in Acts 20. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. What's Paul saying there? He's talking about the things, when we talk about tithing, when we talk about giving, what do we normally think of? Now see, you know what I'm reaching for right now and I don't have it. Hold it up, Karen. Hold it up. Hey, you've got it down there. There it goes. Look at Karen. What she got? She's got my billfold. All right. Check it and be sure that money I put in there earlier is still there, Karen. All right. <laughs> she did this. When we think about what it means to tithe, when we think about what it means to give back to God, where do we go? That's where we go. First thing we do, go to our billfold and think that. That is not what God desires of us. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to the folks in the church at Ephesus. I didn't want your gold. I didn't want your silver. I didn't want your clothes. That was the way people demonstrated who they were and what we do. You think people still do that today? You think people still dress to the nines? You think people buy stuff that they think is really beautiful, but everybody can see and know I'm doing okay because I'm wearing all right stuff? God calls us to recognize, and, and that's exactly what Paul is seeking to share. How many of those clothes that the church in Ephesus, the people in Ephesus were wearing, how many of those clothes do you think are still around? How many of those gold coins do you think you could still find? How about the silver ones? Any of that stuff still there? It's either turned to dust or been melted down or it's been gone for a long time because the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is in a Savior and that hope is placed in a place where moth and rust cannot destroy. That hope is in a Savior who gave his life for us and in giving his life for us, he shares something with us that is something that can never be destroyed and that is eternal life through him. And how many of us here have enough money in our billfolds to pay for that relationship. I'm here to tell you, none of us do. 
None of us are worthy of that. None of us are ever, ever able to pay that kind of debt because of what God has done. And that is what he's telling. That's what he's reminding the church in Ephesus. You know you couldn't do that. So don't be trying to do it. Because he knows there's going to be problems that are going to come. Look with me in, uh, in Acts 20, 29 and following. Acts 20, 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. <clears throat> so be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you day and night with many tears. Why was Paul crying? Why was it that Paul was crying? Have you ever had a situation where you've had a circumstance that just brings you to tears and you can't stop crying? Have you ever thought about what it is that brings you to that? Why was Paul constantly crying? He was crying for those that he loved, not for himself. He wasn't crying about the situations in which he found himself all the time. All the beatings that he took, all the shipwrecks that he was in, all the stonings that he went through, all the whippings, the, 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 what is it, the 39 minus 1 or is it the 40 minus 1? But the message is pretty simple. Paul's done all that. Is that what he's crying? That's what I'd be crying about. I'd be crying about the circumstances in which I find myself. But Paul is crying for people that he loves. Have you ever done that in your life? Has there been someone that you love so much and you can't fix it and you want to fix it? You want to make it right. You want to take that situation and you want to change it. And as hard as you try, you can't do it. I'm here to tell you there's a reason for that. I am not God. Sometimes I get God in my life confused, and I think I can do, as Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what he's talking about. He's, talking, he's not talking about the fact that I can do things. I can do things for him in his name that God is going to use. And he can change that situation in your life that you think is untenable. Something that you never hope to get right. God is able to do that because he is God. And we're called to do what? Those problems, those burdens that we carry, we're called to give those to him and not carry them around with us, and we entrust them. And we, here comes, this does sound familiar? We commit those things to the Father. And we say, Father, here it is. I give this situation in my life that I can't fix. I've tried real hard, but I'm not doing very well with it. I give it to you right now. And I do it in Jesus' name. Because he's told me to, and he's commanded me to. And that's what Paul is reminding the folks in Ephesus about about those things that he can't do, but God is completely capable of doing because of his love. What, what was it this is all about? What's the message that Paul's sharing? All this because he loved the Ephesians. Everything he did, everything he was about, he loved them. He says so in verse 34. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have been supplied by, supplied by own needs and the needs of my companions. And in 35 he says this, and everything I did I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. All that to say, Paul said, you know what? I wasn't a burden for you. You didn't have to pay for me. I was there doing what I was called to do by God. And what are we called to do? The first thing that I think of when I see those words, help the weak, I'm thinking about many of the times, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning too. 
Many of the times we think it's about handing somebody a loaf of bread or some bre uh, chicken or, I don't know, eggs, whatever we give away. We give away all kinds of stuff all the time. But I keep telling you this, and we heard it this morning in Sunday school. Most of the time, that's not why people are coming. Most of the time, people are coming because they're looking for something because of the emptiness that's in their lives. And you may be here this morning and your life feels empty and you're not sure where the answers are and you're not sure how to deal with circumstances and you wonder how. All of a sudden you remember what Paul has said. He's already told us this. Everything I was about was about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Everything I told you, you remember this. You know this. And the message that he calls each of us to remember, that is, the Holy Spirit calls us to remember is what it means for us to know and share that hope. Pins on a board don't mean anything to anybody. What it represents is the lives that have been touched by you, by us. The lives that have been shared with, that people have heard, this is where the hope lies, this is where the life is, in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, it makes things a little easier for me to understand. What part of me do I not give to God? What is it I hold back? What thing is important to me, so important to me, that I'm not going to let God have that? Uh, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Right? How's that go? What's the verse? Why does the refrain go? I surrender what? No, I surrender 10%. You got it wrong, Kim. I surrender 10%. I surrender 10% all to God. I like, that. I like that incredulous look you just gave me, Judy. Couldn't be anything more wrong than that. But what do we do? What do we think about? Where is our focus? Where are our hearts and our lives when we think about what God would have us do? We have a budget in this church for a reason. And that reason is because we have ministries about serving and telling people about Jesus Christ. That is the reason that we are here this morning. That is the reason this sanctuary is here and has been here for all these years that we can tell the people of Evansville, Indiana that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. That is what it's about. That we communicate his love to people. That we help people to experience what that love is about by how we do and what we do. It's not about what we've done, but about what God calls us to. The world tells us that true happiness comes when our desires are all met. Does that sound right to you? What does Jesus tell us? He tells us this. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now I'm going to tell you real quickly, this is an aside, don't try to look that up and find that in one of the Gospels because it's not in the Gospels. But this is something Paul tells us that was said by the church. The early church was saying this. Those guys who saw and heard and talked, Jesus said those words. It's more blessed to give than to receive. What does that mean to us? What it means to me is that God has already demonstrated what giving is all about. Who started the whole thing? He started it in our lives through his son, believers, he gave his son for us that we might know him. And now he is reminding us, Jesus is reminding each of us, it's not about getting. It's not about receiving. It's not about what we get. Well, you know what? I went to worship this morning. I didn't get much out of it. 
I would tell you this. If you don't get much out of a worship service, you probably didn't sing, you probably didn't pray, and you probably didn't listen. I can do all three of those things on any given Sunday morning. Doesn't take me very long. Because what I do is I kick into that self, that self mode. I'm in Bob mode. And it's all about me. Matt Redman, is that right? Help me somebody. The, I've, I've, I've come back to the truth of worship. That's, I think that's right. I'm looking for a head nod or something from somebody. It's, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, right? Isn't that right, Carrie Ann? Heart of worship. Coming back to the heart of worship. Thank you very much, Carrie Ann. And it's all about you. It's all about you. It is not about us. How do we come to God? Pretty simple. The Jews did this years before Christians even were around. How do you do it? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's pretty simple, isn't it? God first, then Jesus adds that second part. What is it? And love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty simple in our relationships. How do we give? First, we recognize that God has given us everything. And we give things back to him. Because we recognize it doesn't belong to us in the first place. It is his. And we give it back to God. And we entrust it to him. And we say, God, use what I'm giving you now. Bless what I'm giving you to help people understand the love that you have for them. Love God. You, you've heard this before. Probably someplace in our building. Love God. Love others. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's what we're supposed to be about. That's the way it works. We're to love God and love others. So how do we deal with those issues? There are problems that I have, uh, and I admit them to you uh, this morning. It's just the way I'm wired. Because there are things that I do that I know I shouldn't be doing and things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. Does that sound like Paul? Uh, it's because it is Paul. Uh, there's a recognition in our lives that what it means to give is hard to understand sometimes. First thing we see, if you've got an outline, the outline still works is that what we're called to do is to give, some people give out of fear. Uh, there's a reason for that. Bob Hastings is not a name that most of you know. Some of you might recognize it. He was the editor for the Illinois Baptist uh, State Paper. Uh, and we knew Bob vaguely, but we knew his wife Bessie even more. Uh, the outline I'm using right here now is Bob's outline. And he talks about the way that people have a fear and I love what he says. He says, some people have a, they give out of fear because they think that God is a cosmic accountant. Is this the way it works in your life? And he said that what happens is sometimes they think, you know what, I, didn't, I haven't tithed in a while and I haven't done very well. I've had a problem with my bank. My bank account's gone down. I had all, you know what, this happened to me. I'm not talking about me. This happened to some imaginary me. This happened to me the other day. I didn't tithe, and my car broke down. And it cost me 10 times more to fix my car than what my tithe would have been. God must have been punishing me for not giving to him. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not the way that things work. God is not a cosmic accountant that's, that's taking toll, taking a, keeping a ledger on what you've done and what you've said and how you've lived your life. That's not the way he does things. 
God is the one that gives us those things. And in giving them to us, what does he want us to do with what he shared with us? Share it with others and glorify him in the process. It's not enough for us just to give it away that we glorify Christ through what we've done. We talk again about the gospel in our town. That's the way you do it, folks. This is what Christ has done. You know what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life this week. The way he's blessed me. That is what your testimony is. It's not about remembering 16, 17 passages of Scripture. It's about remembering what he's done for you today and the, the change that's come in your life because of what Christ has done. God is not a cosmic accountant that's keeping tabs on what you've not done and what you have done. As a matter of fact, you can't do enough to ever satisfy him. That's the way the rules work. I would tell you that. You can't ever hope to pay enough to pay God off. What you can do is you can take what God's given you and you can share it with the world around you because difficulties will surely come your way. Some people give out of fear. Some people give out of duty. Uh, there's a good scripture. If you have your Bibles open to Luke 15, you know this story, but don't probably need to do that. Uh, but some people give out of pride or out of duty. Well, you know what? I know this building costs a lot to run. I know it costs a lot to have staff members here. Talking to Jeff. Jeff knows all this stuff. He lives it. And the other people that are on the, on the finance committee know that. And they look at those things and they think, it's expensive to do all this. How are we going to do this? The message is pretty simple. There are a lot of people who think, I just have to do this because I have to do it. Does that make sense? And they do it out of duty. All right? And it may be that's you this morning, that you're doing, you know what, I don't, want to see, I don't want to see Grace Baptist Church fall down around my ears, and I'm going to give everything I can to be sure it doesn't happen. Do you remember the story in Luke 15? We remember the first brother, don't we? There were two brothers that went astray. Do you remember what the second brother said? I want you to think about this for just a second. Luke 15, 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father. Here comes Bob. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders, yet you gave me not even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. That is the essence of what it means to give out of duty. Did either one of those sons show and demonstrate their love for their father? It's easy for us to say, well, obviously, no, the younger son didn't. But what did the younger son finally realize? And when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough? To, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell my fathers this. I, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Get this. Listen to this. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You just make me a hired man and I'll work for you. Do you think the older brother had that figured out? I don't, because I see it most every morning when I look in the mirror. 
When I look at other people, I wonder, why aren't they more like me? There you go, Rodney. Why aren't they more like me? Why aren't they doing better like I am? Why don't they understand the way I understand? Why don't they? And all of a sudden, I realize, if I'm not careful, I just do stuff out of duty because I know I have to. Because somebody is pushing me. Somebody's directing me. Why did Paul do what he did with the Ephesian church? He did it out of love. It is all out of love. And it's a call that each of us are called to recognize that in our lives that we see what it means to understand God's love filled out in who we are. 2 Corinthians, you don't have this passage, guys. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. When we hear about, actually you do have that, I think. Talking about the Macedonian churches, what did they do? They gave themselves first to the Lord, then to us in keeping with God's will. First to the Lord in that relationship. First in that relationship with the Father. First in recognizing what it means to put the first thing first. That they gave everything they had. What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your pocketbook, with all your talents, with everything you have. You give it to Him. And when you recognize that, everything else comes along with it. Why do you give? How do you give? We give from the heart. And that's what Paul is trying to express to these folks. He's expressing it by telling them that he loves them. That's how we show and demonstrate the love that Christ has shared with us. That we recognize what God has done for us and we forgive other people as Christ has forgiven us. And that we recognize what it means for us to understand that our sins are just as bad as somebody next door to us. We recognize what Christ has done because of the love that he has for us. And we change because God has called us to do so. Paul says so in 1 Corinthians 13.1. When he talks about what real love is all about. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have a faith that can move mountain, mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. There's a message that is there that we recognize what it means to love the Savior the same way that he loves us. Real quick as we close up. I've got another passage of Scripture we're going to read, but I want you to remember this situation. I see this in my life all the time. Peter and Jesus by the lake after everything is said and done. Peter's denied Jesus three times, right? What is the question that Peter asked Jesus? Peter, have you finished that seminary degree you've been working on yet? Is that what it was? Peter, have you gone and gotten things straight with Andrew? Have you done that yet? Have you, I remember you were talking about you didn't know how many times you were supposed to forgive him. Peter, have you talked to your wife because you've been gone all this time and I know she's been missing you. Have you gotten back with her? What does he say? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? You think Peter figured that out? You think Peter figured out what he had done wrong? You think Peter understood 
where his heart was as far as giving and forgiving. In our lives, we are called to give because Christ has given us first. John 15, 9, and with this we'll close. John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's what it means to give. That's what it means to take what God's given you and give it back to him. If you've not done that this morning, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song. People here understand this is an invitation song. It's an opportunity for us to make decisions that God's calling us to. Nobody in this room know, knows this morning what God's calling you or me to do this morning. But through this whole service, he's told you one thing. I love you. I love you. I love you. And there's one question he leaves to me. Bob, do you love me? Bob, do you love me? Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for us. And we thank you for the sacrifice that was yours by giving that which was most precious to you, to give the gift of your one and only Son to die on Calvary's cross for our sins, that we might be able to talk to you even as I'm doing right now. It's the only way I can come before you. I sure can't come in my righteousness but I can come covered in the blood of Jesus Christ through his forgiveness of sins, your forgiveness of sins that have been offered for me because he paid the price for me. And so we come boldly this morning asking that you change our hearts, change my heart, Father, change each of us and help us to understand what it means to give everything to you and recognizing it all belongs to you. Forgive us, Father, where we hold on. Forgive us for where we neglect. Forgive us for where we ignore. And help us, Father, to always remember what you have done and the way you've shown what real love is all about. Jesus did that. It's his life. It's his words. It's who he was and who he is that makes a difference in our hearts. If there's someone here this morning that's never made that claim in their lives, my prayer would be this would be the time they would pray this prayer. Father, I come before you and I admit the sin that's in my life and I recognize I know enough to know I can't do anything to make it right between me and you. But I thank you, Father, for the fact that Jesus Christ came to pay the price for my sins, that he died on Calvary's cross for my sins. And in that dying... My sins are covered by his blood. 
And the hope that I can have in him, Father, is the promise that he shared with me. That hope, Father, is that this is not the end, but that the resurrection is a reality. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so many of us in this room, Father, have been raised from the dead. And we are living, we are walking representations of what it means to have sacrificial lives. Bless us, encourage us, and call us to you this morning to do what you would have us do, to trust you completely with all we have and all we are. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.